Hello, and welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast, where we're bridging the gap between riding and wellness, discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. I am Dr. Tyler Held, a certified mental performance consultant with my doctorate in sport and performance psychology. I am a mostly retired five-star groom, a purple belt and gym owner in the sport of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, avid crafter, lifelong learner, and adventure seeker. And I am here just trying to put out as many conversations as I can to help the equestrian community evolve in ways that I truly believe it could and should. And so um, this episode today goes with a recent theme in some of our podcasts that we've been putting out. Um, I went ahead and brought on a good friend of mine. Her name is Kristen Shepard, formerly Kristen Stammer, um, and she worked a very long time for Hannah Sue Holberg, formerly Hannah Sue Burnett, and just had a really interesting um, career in the industry, and she's now vet teching, so I thought it would be a really good opportunity to talk to someone that has both sides of the coin and is starting to transition into life outside the equestrian industry that's still utilizing some of her skills. Um, And with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to the recording. Okay, anyways, um, I am joined today by Kristen Shepard, who groomed for Hannah Sue Holberg, um, previously Hannah Sue Burnett, for quite some time, um, spent a lot of time in the horse world, traveling overseas and doing all the fun things. So I won't uh, steal your thunder there. Why don't you go ahead and tell me a little bit um, about yourself, how you got started in horses in general, how you found Hannah, and we'll just kind of start with your story. Sweet. Um, hello. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm from both of my parents were pretty into horses. Um, I was actually uninterested when I was little, and I don't know when that spark hit, but I think my dad noticed because he really started trying other things like, don't you like soccer or something? <laughs> so um, probably really young. I was in pony club for like three or four years. And um, Hannah kind of just randomly showed up. I was with a few of my friends at River Downs and I met um, Bill Kratz, I want to say is his name. Um, And he would just send me all of these working students opportunities. And one was just a Facebook post of Hannah. And I decided to go and then it just kind of like sparked off from there. So I, um, I don't know, I didn't, I was only supposed to be there for three months. I was supposed to be a working student and seven years later (laughs) I um I was going all over the world with her so it was a pretty it's a pretty awesome opportunity and I'm glad I left Ohio for Virginia because I don't know yeah yeah and I know we've talked before about like kind of your journey from that working student to actually having the full-time job with the benefits and everything like that. Can you tell me a little bit about like, okay, you were supposed to go for three months. How did that journey just evolve for you? Did you stay after that three months? Did you leave and come back? Like, what did it look like? 
Um, yeah, I, um, when I walked up, I just thought I was going to learn how to ride. Well, I shipped my horse down with me and, um, Lindsay, well, I cannot remember her Walker now, Lindsay Walker. Was that her name? Okay. Yeah. Um, Lindsay. she was Hannah's main. Yeah. She was Hannah's main room and she just started helping me and I helping me manage and I got a lot more interested in it and I thought that I was leaving in like September October and Hannah had, like pulled me up pulled me aside like one of the dinners we were having and was like would you want to go to Florida I was like oh of course I would go back to snowy Ohio or go down to sunny Florida for six months so I started that and um I was just i I got hooked. I kept bringing, I brought my horse with me, I think two more years. And I started as wanting to be a working student and do better, but I really started to like managing. And um, when I started to go to some horse shows with Lindsay and Hannah, just to help or be around with the horses that we had, um, I liked that more and more. And then I slowly started creeping into the groom aspect as opposed to the um, a rider as myself, but I do like, I still rode, I still exercise. And since she helps me become a better rider, I could get other jobs when I could, um, helping training and breaking other horses. So it really helped me all, all around to be a better rider. Yeah, no. And, and I think that's something that you and I have in common where, you know, the journey kind of started as, yeah, I'm going to ride, I'm going to do all the things. And like, I'm here because I want to eventually switch the position and I want to be the rider that then has the working student working for them. But um, it's nice to hear someone else that did does fall in love with the grooming side because I feel like that's not always the case of okay you get someone that comes in and they want to be a rider they want to be a rider and then things don't work out with the rider side of things and the answer is well maybe I'm going to do something outside of the horse world and I think that grooms are very underrepresented in the industry in terms of like you can go in just wanting to groom, right? Like it doesn't have to be, oh, yeah. I'm not good enough to ride or like it is genuinely interesting and genuinely fun and genuinely exciting. Um, so on along those lines, can you talk to me about like some of the opportunities that you had as a groom? And obviously like the longer you had the relationship with Hannah, the more things that you got to do, but like what is a, a day-to-day work schedule look like and then how do you take that into like the exciting opportunities as well uh yeah so i mean in the beginning i worked a lot um just because i was a working student so i had to still make up for my adult bills so in the beginning it wasn't like i got to have fun when i could when i could pencil it in and see other people but the more i went to horse shows was the more opportunities things started to come out like Jenny, Jenny was always around with Hannah and I could hang out with them. And then through Jenny, I met you and um, Aaron and then it just kind of spirals. So the more you get out there and you're invested with your job, opportunities come, come out. Um, I like became friends with Lisa, Lisa Casanella's tech at the time, Tina, and that like she was always in my pocket. She would always help me with things. We always had talks and I knew 
that she would help me with questions if I had with the horses. If I was worried about cuts or anything, she would always be there for me. And that really helped in the beginning to have other grooms in your pocket as well. So the more opportunities I could get out to see other people, other grooms, other barns, because we all try to be a network. And it's hard because a lot of people that start don't, all of our working students are like, I don't want, I want to be a rider. I don't want to be a groom. And that's kind of disheartening sometimes because you're going to need a groom later in life. You're going to need to have someone to want to do that with horses. And that's where I wish we had more of that. But yeah, no. Did you feel like it was like a big learning curve for you stepping into the role of groom? Like I, I personally, uh, you know, like the first big FEI I went to, um, I had been eventing for years and didn't realize that there were events that went over multiple days just because like I grew up in area two, which like is one day eventing everywhere um, it, when you're going lower levels. So like the first time it's like, oh, like I didn't even realize that was a thing. Like obviously I knew about Kentucky and I loved the sport and I was really invested in it. But I was I was mind blown by these away shows. And then all of a sudden you're at Stuart horse trials with 10 horses running and just like trying to figure things out. Like, what do you think were some of the biggest struggles um, that went along with going from, hey, I'm just a working student to I am going to start picking up some of these responsibilities? Um, I I did have a bit of a learning curve. The only thing that helped me, I think, a bit was when I was younger, I was in pony club and they were so strict. Like when we went to rallies, they always made sure you had a perfect amount of betting in your stall that your water buckets were always full and they would take points off of all of your scores and your tack room had to be perfect and well-organized. So I felt like that helped me in an essence. Like when I went to big horse shows with Lindsay and Hannah, I could, I'd see their tack room and I could replicate it. I could do it faster and that was easy, but I was a bit, um, naive to like the grooming aspect of it, like the physical grooming aspect of it. And I saw that a lot with our working students, like, oh, I missed a mud spot. It'll be fine. No, it's not going to be fine. You can't go into dressage with a, like a tiny little mud spot on their hawk. Everybody's going to see that. And um, that was a bit of, I feel like that's always a bit of a learning curve with everyone. Like you don't really, it gets overwhelming because you didn't under, you didn't think that the um, height of cleanliness was going to like get to you until you're trying to clean and you just keep seeing spots all the time. The more you brush, the dustier they get and it starts to spiral. But um, also with Kentucky, I had gone to Kentucky. I was getting like pushed around in a stroller. So I've been to that place. I've seen it. The only thing I never got to see was the barns. So I felt comfortable-ish in that aspect. But like when we went over, when we went overseas and I walked early, like that's where that started to hit. Like, oh, the jumps can seem bigger. Oh, the courses can be harder. <laughs> so those were a few of the milestones, pretty much the same. Yeah, yeah, no. And that I like that you're, you know, saying that because I, I remember again, when I was transitioning from being like wanting to be a rider to wanting to be a groom and then actually being at some of the big events and walking the courses. And I felt, I always felt like, wow, I really don't want to be a rider now walking around <laughs> and, and 
Kentucky. I'm like, yeah, no, that's not even like Great Meadow looked really big to me one year. And I'm like, I can't believe that I wanted to do this at one point in my life. Um, was Kentucky, do you, was that the first big event that you ended up going to with Hannah? Or do you remember the first like big five-star or like nation's cup that you were able to attend? I know you had some. Kentucky years. was definitely like the, the biggest one that I had gone to, but, um, even just like Red Hills felt big to me when I first yeah. started. Like, I think I had two horses then, Alonzo and Pippi. And like, I felt like it was, there was so much going on. And now I go to Red Hills and I'm like, this is, this is for when I went to Red Hills. It, it's calmer, but every big event I went to anything above like a three star to me was like, oh my God, this is huge. This is crazy. So, but yeah. Kentucky was, I was on the sidelines the first year. Like I was just in the barns, um, the, the other barns with um, our non-compete horses. So it was kind of an easy um, ease into it. Yep. And then the next year I had Pippi. So it was like, it was all about me. So it was a lot more stressful, but, um, but yeah, Kentucky was my big one. And then it just got scarier from there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> your first like overseas trip, do you, which one was the first one that you went overseas for? Um, I ended up, I was already over there, but uh, Burley was the Nope. Aachen. Aachen was the big one that I went to with Demeter. Yep. So, and that one, I absolutely loved that horse show. And it was a new aspect to just walk around places that are like even bigger than Kentucky. And I was with um, Joni when she was with us and we were at the start and she just went, oh, it's just right around the corner. We'll be at the, we'll be at the finish. It's just right around the corner, but there's so many people we had to like bolt to, to finally make it to the end. Like by the time I got to the arena, Hannah was coming into the arena, coming towards the finish. So to have something thinking Kentucky, I know it like the back of my hand and then go overseas thinking, oh, I'll figure it out. And then when I do, I'm like, this is, this is a lot harder than what I'm used to. But yeah, the spectator piece is huge for me, right? Because that was uh, when we went to the Nations Cup at Bookalo, that was my first overseas trip. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. Jenny had had a fall on cross country. And I'm looking at everyone. I say, like, what what should I do? And, and they said, she's so far away. And there's so many people out there. You just have to kind of accept the fact that you're not going to be able to get to her and wait for her to come to you. Like that we're here on the radio, like horse and rider are okay. Like you just have to wait for them to come to you. And I mean, I think 45 minutes passed before I saw them. And then someone told me they had gone back to the barns. So I like run back to the barns and then I get a call of like, hey, she's walking into the vet box. Like, why aren't you here? And I'm like, because somebody told me that they were over there. So I'm like running around like a crazy person, like a chicken with my head cut off. But there is like, you know, obviously like, yes, Kentucky has spectators, but I think a little bit like you're saying, it feels like the back of your hand. Like it just feels really comfortable yeah. and um you know it's it's we get a fall at Kentucky like I think we stole a golf cart when Jenny fell at Kentucky yeah. 
but like there. Um, so, you know, it's just, you know, everyone and someone's going to get yeah. you to where you need to go. And then you go and you're like the little yeah. fish in the big pond. And uh, it does seem yeah. very overwhelming. So, um, and I think, you know, like there's always a bit of a difference between going to a five-star and like going to like represent the team um, on a nation's cup and like different pressures and yeah sort of feelings associated with both of those. And I know you had your fair share of both um, along the way. And and I think that the one thing that I always find really interesting is that when a rider does like, or a working student does decide to take the grooming route, they feel like they automatically want to be, you know, like that person that's going to the five stars mm -hmm. or that person that's going to the nation's cup. And I'm sure like, you, you know, you had some of those experiences, even just going to be the head groom. And it's like, well, I, I'm a working student and I'm here to ride, but like, I also would love to go to Kentucky and I would love to do this and I would love to do that. And like, there is a certain level of precision knowledge and expertise that is required to work at those events. Um, so I'd just be curious to hear what kind of advice you would give to someone that does want to pursue those kind of goals that does decide like, Hey, I want to groom. I want to take it seriously. Like what are some of the reflections you can take from your experience and pass that along to someone who's interested? I, um, I just think that you have to have, like, you have to have goals and going into talking to whoever is hiring you, or if you've been there as a working student already, if there's a change in your goals that you want to be, a, you want to try to go away for shows, or you don't want to barn manage anymore, you want to do a little bit more, you just, I believe being very transparent and open with whoever you're with um rider owner what have you because they don't always know and if you're doing great at what you're doing whether it's cleaning stalls exercising managing they're so they're content with what you're doing and if you're not um speaking up is always the best advice i can give because that way your rider can always tell you like oh well you do some things you know sometimes your wrapping is too tight or something. So we'll have to work on that. Or I really, you need to really work on your braids before we do something. So then you have a goal and you're not just like getting discouraged from wanting something and being told, no, if you're open and honest, people are going to want to work with you more and you can get those opportunities. I just kind of stumbled into it. Like it just snowballed. I, when I, like I said, I just started because I wanted to ride my horse better because I couldn't jump him not at Mach 10. And then all of a sudden, you know, I got more interested and started picking up more jobs, wanting to pick up the grain and hay and do all these things and organize it. And I started asking Hannah, like, oh, would you, would you be cool if I did this? Would this help you? And then from there, if she saw something, she would say something. And I've, I did better and I did liked doing those things. She would just give me more and more responsibility. So being yeah. open about it and always wanting to like youtube it like try stuff if you want to get better at braids you want to you want them to you want to go to a horse show like look up everything you want like look up your braid like i googled braids almost every other time at horse shows to make sure i was doing them good so i could keep doing what i was doing so i love your braids your braids are so beautiful i feel like your braids are <laughs> um i struggled <laughs> 
I did too. I did too. I was uh, joking with Woods when she was on. I was like, I, I used to go out to the barn with like tears in my eyes, just trying to get my brain mm-hmm. and, and everything. But, uh, but no, I love that advice because I feel like, again, I hate the tension between people of the elder horse generation and people of the newer horse mm-hmm. generation because people of the elder horse generation look at it with this one side like oh like people don't want to work they don't want to um you know put in the effort they don't want to make the sacrifices that we did um but i think maybe the younger generation just doesn't know or understand or yeah. like really respect what it what it takes. And I think there's this slice where you have to be able to put yourself out there and, and, and have the conversation and say, I would really like to be able to go overseas, or I would really like to do these things. And it is a difficult position being a groom feeling like your goals are tied to a rider's. Um, and, and that's Mm -hmm. another struggle of the profession, I would say, but just knowing that you're aligning yourself in the right place and say, like, you know, if you, if you decide that you want to be a groom and your goal is to go overseas to nation's cups and five stars and your rider that you're working for is running preliminary, like that, that is going to be a problem, right? Like, I'm like, okay, well, you know, now you have to align yourself with the right people. And I would say that I was, in that situation, right? Like my goal was to go to Kentucky and was to go to Nations Cups and and to do the Olympics and do all the things. And I was working for someone who had done big stuff in the past, but only had prelim one star horses at the time. Um, And, you know, ultimately it's like, okay, well, I can, I can work as hard as I can, but I want to, I want to be doing this. And there was a fear of maybe I'm not good enough to approach one of these riders that is going to the five stars and does have going horses. And I feel like that's who needs the most help right now is the riders that have the horses at the level. So if you are nervous, like, yes, acquire the skills, but don't necessarily feel like you can't work for someone like Hannah Sue or Jenny or, uh, yeah. you know, Will Coleman, all of those people. Would would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're working hard and you're feeling confident and you want to try something, like you want to try to go to a bigger rider. Um, word of mouth is such a big thing. And it can make or break you in this industry. And I, I hate, as much as I hate that, if it is going well for you, you can find, like, you can have opportunities. Like, um, working with Hannah, like, and I got to meet Lynn and Jenny. So if any of them ever needed help, sometimes they would ask. And then you go, and I just pick stalls for Lynn or whatever. But if I'm doing a good enough job, Lynn's going to tell somebody else, like, oh, if you need help, you know, Maybe Kristen could help you out. Maybe Kristen could help raise your horses for horse shows and stuff. It's just um, getting yourself out there is a big thing and trying to do your best. Because even if you're not, even if you fail a few times, like doing your best and trying hard and fixing your problems, a lot of people are going to recognize that. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what's like one of the biggest chips that I wore on my shoulder whenever I went to an away show is, you know, we'd have like a random adult amateur or just like 
person stabled next to us and always like some point in the middle of the week uh they would come up to me and they would just say like I just want you to know like I can see how hard you're working and I can see how yeah. much like mm-hmm. energy and effort you're putting into this and that was like boom like instant instant dopamine yeah. for me yeah um which you know comes at a price sometimes as well of you know putting all <laughs> your life and energy and and self-worth into something um so on that sort of token why did you decide to leave like you had like a pretty good situation you had a pretty good long relationship what was sort of the impetus for change there um that was that was more on fact of like family and ryan we can go ahead and blame my husband on that one for showing up in my life um love him (laughs) um that was my biggest thing uh being a writer is completely different from being a groom they also work hard and they they're gonna do whatever they can to get their goals but they also get some time away and in my opinion they do get a little bit more time away than we do and in some cases some grooms hardly get any time away so to try to have a if you want a family or if you just want to have a bigger life, this can be an all-consuming job. So that was my biggest step away. And Ryan is also not in the horse industry himself. So that does create a riff as he doesn't understand how I can go to the barn and just stay there for 24 hours almost and love it, (laughs) even if I'm tired. So um, that is why I decided to walk away at the time he had gotten a job out of state and it wasn't, it was in Kentucky. So not in either one of the places I was going to be. And it's really, it's really hard because this job is all consuming. So to step away, unless you like really had a bad experience, it is very like, if you love your job and you love your horses, it's really hard to just like walk off that ledge into the real world per se. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I'd love to hear a little bit like about, you know, those, those horses again, seven years is a long time. You create partnerships, you create, uh, just a love of those horses. So how was some of the emotions of like handing over the reins to someone else? Cause no one can do the job as good as you can. Right. In your head. Like, yeah. And even if it's, you can do something else and it can be just as good, but if it's your system and it's the way that you've done things and the way that you've seen things, there's almost an anxiety of now there's this horse that I really care about and I'm going to leave it to the new groom. And it's nothing against a new group uh, in terms of your incompetent or, or negativity, but it just feels like this thing that you've loved and controlled and, you know, read bedtime stories for the past, however many years you're leaving, like how, how did you feel of the emotional side of that piece? Um, that was, that was really, that was very hard. Um, because, you know, people always joke, what's your favorite, who's your favorite in the barn? And I would start with one and then I would just, oh, but Oh, but Bart's quirky when he does this. Oh, but Carson is my baby horse. And like, I would just keep spiraling and that like to walk away from all of that. Like it is no, no offense to anybody, but when you think you're doing such a good job and you walk away, you're like, are they going to, are, are they going to be okay? And, um, 
besides the horses, like Hannah and I had gotten close, like we were good friends and we had both been through ups and downs in our own lives and stuff. So I also felt like she was a, a great friend and family to me. So I also felt a bit like abandoning people in a way or like giving up. So that kind of stuff wrenches at my heart. And um, so I tended, I'm still kind of like in the background a little and I did stop by and I always do try to see them if I can. So I haven't wholeheartedly given it up, but it is kind of hard to give up the reins, but you know, the horses are going to be, they're going to be fine. And Hannah, you know, your rider, Hannah had the best interests. She loves them just as much as I do. So, you know, it's not like I'm, I had to keep telling myself, it's not like I'm leaving them to their doom or anything. So that was, I had to talk myself up a bunch about that because I did feel bad. So. Yeah. Yeah, no. And it, I think like you and I are a bit in the same boat where we left, but we still have, you know, emotional ties. And um, obviously mm -hmm. I tried to be there for all of Toddy's my girl. Not that I didn't like other Jenny's, yeah. horses, but yeah. like I girl um and so you know I was at Kentucky when she broke down and and now she's still 15 minutes from my house and I try to go once a week if I can if not it's every other week and just feed her donuts yeah. and tell her I love her um because <laughs> I do I do and and she's so good and, and I feel like there is a big piece of that um well and okay total transition but away moving away I would love to talk to you about this because I feel like when I, you know, there's the piece of the working student that wants to become a groom and we kind of address that. And then I feel like there's the groom and the working student um, that wants to do something else. And I know that you are a vet tech now. So I'd love to talk about like transitioning into the vet tech position because a lot of people that I talk to, you know, I, well, maybe I'll be a vet tech, right? That's, it just seems to be kind of hand in hand with, I, I've just spent three, four, five, seven years doing horses. Vet teching, you know, is right up in there of my skill set and, and what I've got going on. Um, so I would love to hear about the vet teching. And also, did you look for other types of jobs as you were transitioning or were you just like, no, I want to be a vet tech and that's all you pursued? Um, I, so I started, I did kind of have that in the back of my head, like, well, this might be the easiest transition, but knowing so many people in the industry as well, I knew how taxing that job could be. And it's kind of like literally just hopping into the same fence. Like you're, you possibly are working 12 to 14 hours again, and you might get caught in on the weekends. Just like you have to really dig for that right job in the tech industry. And I went for ambulatory, which is pretty much the exact same thing. Um, just because it's a one person thing and you can connect with one, one, two vets. And you're kind of a little bit closer than just being in a pot of people. But um, I actually, the job that I got is a surgery technician. So I'm like in academia and a training school at UF. So, um, that was a different jump and I have a nine to five and it's crazy. And I'm like, it took a minute to kind of transition because before that I was serving. So I was still working all of the hours all the time. So, um, I do think that 
people tend to migrate towards the tech because you're still working with horses. You're still like, you're not, you're not gone, but um, some people do have that drive for something else. And if there's something else that pulls at you, you should, you know, look into it and try to see what you need to do to get to it. Cause I'm addicted to horses, but not everybody is, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, um, I just had Alexa lap on, on the, on the podcast and I know, you know, Alexa, um, but she spent, you know, just as much time, if not more with Jenny that you spent with Hannah. And she said, um, she did run into some pushback of not either having experience or a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a big, piece of it too um and she kind of left with the advice of like hey if you can get a degree like while you're doing horses and you have that option do it are you on the same page with that or do you feel like I yeah I totally agree with that um I did um I can't remember everything but I did listen to that podcast with her and if there's a way for you to be in school somehow while you're grooming if there's something else you're interested in like never going to push somebody to go to school just because maybe you'll be able to get a job when you get out. But um, if there's something else you like, if you want to be into business school, you can still stick with horses when you're out with a business degree because you can manage, you can help people with more like marketing degrees, all those things you can hopefully get while you're grooming and you could still kind of be in the industry when you get out. Um, But it is hard because our, job is labor intensive and I can make it look fluffy and nice on a resume, but it's still, I pet ponies and groom them and make sure they don't run off on me, but that doesn't have anything to do with, uh, you know, marketing or finance or anything. So if you do find something that you're interested in, you should try it. Yeah. I feel like the one thing that's hard to get across though, is, is the organizational skills that you acquire right like to me and anyone that I think has held a job in the horse industry it's like I'm the hardest working person that's also trying to fit all of the pegs into the right holes while my rider is you know off walking their course and I just have to make sure everything's ready and everything's operating and um you know making sure we have enough grain. Hey, like most of that falls on, on the groom, right? Like, and I have to pack and I have to plan and I have to do all of these things. And it's, it's almost sucks to not say this is a managerial position, right? Like people don't recognize it as that. And you go into the business world and they're like, what the heck's a groom? And it's like, you have no clue. It's what your person is sitting at the desk doing, on steroids, right? Like in a physically and mentally beat down environment. Again, not the negative, but like I am moving a hundred miles a minute and I haven't slept and I've done all these things. And like your person that's sitting at the desk, like has no clue what I've been through and what I'm capable of. So if anything, I would say that's like the sad piece of it is you know, I look at everyone that I know that has worked with horses and been in programs like the ones that we've been in for even more than a year. And I'm like that you are well, way more well off than most of the workforce that is the traditional nine to five workforce. But we're just not seen as expected as that because like, it's like, oh, hey, you also shovel shit. Yeah. They're like, oh, ponies. And I'm like, you're right, ponies. But 
Like if you look at my resume, when I start writing the things that I did, like all of a sudden I filled up a whole page in yeah. just one job. So it that does make it hard when they see stuff like that. They're like, um, I don't really understand. And they might skip over you, but it sucks to have to try to do school and grooming. But unfortunately, that's kind of how it happens. Like hard worker can only go so far on an application because they don't really understand to the extent how hard you work. Do you think that like if you had, because you went in as, you know, more of a, I want to do this to ride better. Do you think if you had gone in thinking, oh, I, I want to groom, you would spend the extra money that you were putting towards your horse to some classes? Or would you would you go back and do school had if you had the chance? I've actually thought about that a lot. <laughs> um, I probably would have been, I would have tried more for the tech program. I'm in it now, like I'm in school to be a vet tech, but I think I would have just tried that sooner. Yep. Because once you have that done, you're just doing refreshers, like you're doing um, exams every so year, every other year or something. I don't really remember the upkeep for that, but um, but that's something when you do go out, you have you have something under your belt to show to get in. Cause nowadays, even to be a tech, they're looking for certifications. So that makes it kind of hard as well when you're stuck in the horse industry. But I would have, I mean, I would, I would have done something else tech wise or like community college, something easy um, or a trade school. Um, Cause I've done the college route a little bit and that was not, that was not my jam. So I could see you being like a diesel mechanic, like honestly. I know. I, know I wanted to. I wanted to actually be an aircraft mechanic. That's what I wanted because as a child, I was like, oh my God, $48 an hour? Yes. <laughs> um, well, along those lines of of you know, sort of managing the horse, like you know, maybe have funds to do a tech school. Um, I know you've done it both of I have a horse and I don't have a horse. Like, what is your opinion of trying to manage a high level groom's job with or without a horse? That is that is kind of hard. Um, depending on what situation you're in and if you're wanting to if you want to ride, would you get would you get pleasure out of just being able to exercise? or flat your rider's horses, would that make you happy or would having a horse make you happy? Because I've done both and horses are just so expensive. So I ended up having to lease mine out just because moving him up and down after a while, depending on how much you make is just doesn't. And if you don't have the time to show, you just have to either find time or find other means of like extra income for that. I felt easier when I, it was just me. Um, cause I didn't have to worry about my horse being taken care of, or if he, if he was hurting himself and I wasn't around to see it. Um, so I do, I do like the no horse situation more. It just makes it way easier. You never know what you're going to have. Like if your rider decides they want to go to horse shows every other weekend, you're just going to be way too busy. Yeah. I personally felt like I had a better quality of life as a groom without a horse. Um, and looking now that, it, now that I've taken some time out of the horse world, I have like 
reconnected with the fact that like I just really like riding like the joy of riding is is sparked back in me and I think I when I failed at being a rider I felt like well if I'm not going to be good at this then I'm wasting everyone's time by sitting on horses and so I was always like I'm okay with being on the ground like I don't need to be in the saddle and of course I had like a big smile on my face whenever Jenny like put me on toddy and and had me hack her out or um like put me on a sales horse and gave me a jump lesson that always lit me up but I was still I still didn't let myself like it because I knew I needed to be able to go through three week month periods without being in the saddle when we were getting ready to go from Bookalo to Fair Hill to, you know, like all of the things. And so, I mean, I did a plantation starter trial like in October and it was so fun. I like had so much fun jumping cross rails. Um, I did the elementary. It was hilarious. Um, but I feel like if you love horses so much that you want to do it to be in the saddle, then maybe a groom's job isn't right for you, right? Like that's where yeah. you can't have the best of both worlds of, oh, I just, I love riding and I want to be a rider, but I'm not good enough. So I want to be a groom. And actually now that I'm saying that, I feel like there are people that do both well. Um, like Izzy Bosley that works for Lillian Hurd, like does all the things herself and also is still Lillian's like right-hand man. But it's, it's hard, right? Like it's hard to do both and it's hard to pay attention to yourself and pay attention to someone else. And so I feel like that rider that maybe doesn't feel good enough to be a, oh, professional rider, uh, you know, maybe you go work in a sales barn where you're, you'll still do some grooming for the horses that are going to the show, but those sales horses need to be ridden by less educated riders anyways. Um, and then it benefits for the longer run. And I'm kind of just like rambling on here now, but I, I, I really like, I think it's a good point, right. To make of, Hey, if you want a horse and you want to go three star, maybe you are also not going to be a, a Kentucky groom. Like, again, I think Izzy's maybe the exception, not the rule on that one. Yeah. And that, I mean, and she just must have the drive because sometimes you can do it, but it's going to take a lot. I'm sure she does so much. That's all I can think about is the amount of work that she has to do to do that. Right. Um, and I've told a lot of my working students that because there are some people that I've we've had through our barns that are like, oh, yeah, I want to be a groom. Uh, but I have two horses. And I'm like, well, that that's not you're going to end up having to pick. And that's a hard decision to make later on down the road. Because if you do fall in love with grooming or you do like being at horse shows, because that that was what I worked so hard for. Like I loved going to horse shows. Yeah. So I preferred that over trying to show my own horse. And sometimes you get the opportunity, depending on who you're with. Like, I mean, I did everything at Hannah's barn. Like if she needed some of her horses flatted or worked a little bit, lunged, things like that. Like I still was involved in that aspect of their lives. So I was very grateful to be able to have that opportunity. And a couple of times I got to ride, I got to compete and that was pretty fun. And that's like a, a little happy accident, happy surprise <laughs> to be able to get to do that. So some places you actually can find, you can do a little bit of both, but um, you, you it's usually easier to just pick one or the other. If you want to be, if you really like being a groom, you're going to work hard at that. And if you really want to be a rider, you might have to give up going to horse shows for somebody else. 
Yeah. And I think that's something I do a lot in uh, like my sports psychology practice is values based work and you have to understand what you value. And I think there's two paths of I really value my own competitive success and what I'm doing and how I'm developing at a rider, in which case grooming can still be a part of your life. But I feel like it can't be, you know, higher of again, maybe you will still get to go, you know, be the second hand man at Kentucky or maybe you will get to um do a trip at some point but it's not going to be your a1 day one goal and priority versus if you seriously want to commit yourself to being a groom and you make that number one priority the riding opportunities are still probably going to be there um if you talk to your rider and you talk to them like in my experience if you're a good groom like your rider wants to keep you happy right so like if you say doing a trot set a week will make me happy you will probably get to do a trot set a week and like you know maybe it is jumping and and maybe there isn't a horse in the barn that you can jump at that time but then the sales horse comes in and you get a lesson and, and stuff like that so it's definitely a give and take and a pull um but something that anyone that's listening that wants to take that route one or the other should understand right and this is this is the professional horse world. There's another piece of like, I just own a horse and I want to have fun. And then you don't have to care about all of that. Just have a horse, have fun and pay for the tickets to Kentucky and enjoy uh, the, the bar, right? Like have a, have a cocktail <laughs> and it's great. I know to be able to drink and sit at cross country. What? Yeah. Yeah. Like go find a Jumbotron and actually get to see everything. Um, very cool. Well, I'm going to hit you with the, my, my hardest question that I've been doing on these episodes. Um, what, if anything, would you change about the horse industry to help foster longer and more sustainable careers? Um, not that I have necessarily had this problem. Um, I have had a good, pretty good go with my years, but I have seen a lot of people treat, treated in terrible ways. I think that, um, how people are treated are, is pretty big and it's only growing. Like, I mean, if people are walking away from desk jobs because they can't get their two days off a week that they're supposed to have, like, it's crazy to think that we still have to, we would still have to work as hard, if not harder than most of these nine to fives have to do. And some potentially have to be worried about being berated or doing something small and getting yelled at like it was a huge mistake. Um, Again, not every barn is like that. There's so many nice people out in the world and there's a handful of um, not so nice people. So that's one of my bigger ones because if you treat people well and you try to help them out and try to make them do better, they're going to want to do better. But screaming and yelling and getting frustrated with even new people isn't going to make them want to do better. And I've seen that. And I've been guilty of being like irritated or angry with somebody's progression in our barn. But like, if you come at them with the feelings that you have, it's never going to get you where, never going to get them where they want to go. And they might even regress. And I mean, always pay is always a big one. And that's so hard in our industry because we're just, I feel like sometimes eventing is always on that fine line of, are we going to, is it still going to be around? 
And it's hard for riders to be able to pay grooms what they actually deserve. So, and not a lot of places have benefits for them. There's, you start off and, you know, you get hurt, you're still going to have to go to the hospital and pay hundreds of dollars because no one can afford health insurance for you. You'll have to find it yourself. Um, but yeah, that, and what else do we have? I just, if they may, like, if we make things more enjoyable and be able to get along, it does make people want to stay. Like when things are good and you have a, you come into the barn and everybody's in a decent mood and, no, you know, everybody's not going to be happy all the time, but um, that makes people want to come work the next day. So I think that was a big thing I saw in the industry of how people are treated. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's where, um, you know, even in being in a good situation, like being in a good program, um, you can go and you can see and you can witness what peers are going through and how things are like in other barns and other operations. And it's almost sad because, you know, you'll hear about the hours someone's working or something their boss said to them. And, you know, you look and you're just like, it doesn't have to be that way. And I think the, I keep going back to this financial piece, which I'm hoping like someone will come with the beaconing answer of how to sort that out because it really is when you're stressed for money, um, everything else is tense. Everything else is, ah, oh, we just have to grind. We have to work harder. We have to do this. And um, it's funny. Someone asked me yesterday and they said, can, can show jumpers make a real living on show jumping? And I'm like, honestly, like, I don't know that much, but I know that they have more money, right? Like e either they start with yeah. more money than us, um, but they also win more money. So there's this weird place of, yeah, I don't know. Like I know people that, I know if you go and start in a show jumping barn, like the, the show jumping working students, I think make a little bit more than a, a venting head groom, um, which is sad, yeah. but true. Um, and, and then it's like, but they still have owners and they still have people that are putting money in. And I think like eventing is at this really weird spot, right? What we just had this week, uh, the articles come out about maybe we won't be in the Olympics, uh, in LA, which is so silly to me. They're saying like, there's not a yeah. venue for, I didn't like do that much reading into it. So I could sound dumb right now, but I'm like, don't we like never have the actual cross country like close to the place? Like, can't we just do it all yeah. at like Galway? Like, can't they just do it at Galway? It's in California. I don't understand that. Do you, did you keep up with any of that? No, I didn't. But if they like how Japan went, like if they had to hop, skip and a jump to get to cross country, I don't understand why we couldn't do something like that as well to keep it in. And that, yeah, eventing is just so hard. And I, it's it goes both ways like we I want more money for the grooms that's going to make them want to work that's going to make them want to be there because we do make a fraction of what show jumpers make even hunters hunter hunter jumpers all of those like I they make almost more than I do sometimes so I 
it's just disheartening and you can't get mad because half the riders don't make that much money either. Like there are some, there's a hand, good handful that make good money as eventing in eventing, but uh, even they struggle. So it's hard to say, pay your people more when some of these riders get paid pennies too. It's just like a never ending cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is passionate horse people like yourself mm -hmm. and I, will take the burden of the industry and just say like, oh, well, like I'll figure it out, right? I, I think my favorite thing about you was Jenny telling, oh, when back when Kristen like spent all night working at Chili's and all day working at the <laughs> bottom, like, I don't even know where there was time for sleep in that schedule. Like, did you? <laughs> uh, not really. I mean, there were times they were hanging out in the house when I came home and they're like, oh, did you get to go out? And I just look at my polo and I was like, this is my Chili's polo. I just got back from work at two in the morning. Um, it's hard. Like, and um, I used to work multiple jobs before I decided to go back to Chili's. Like I would leave my barn and I would have three other barns to go, like six horses to still ride and 20 stalls to still clean just to like make money. And that's not on Hannah and that's not on most of these riders. It's just, they don't get paid enough to get by sometimes. And then that trickles down to where we get even less. So it's just really disheartening to have to work so hard to, and with horses are so hot and cold up and down. So to be, continue to work so hard and then your horse blows a tendon, then you're out for a while and you've got to figure that out and vet bills and so on and so forth. So just a hard thing yeah there that's the you know I'm I'm still waiting for someone to give me the proposal um of the answer there that's where I feel so sad uh that we lost Rob Bowersox I feel like he was like really trying to work on getting the money into eventing that like needs to be in eventing yeah. um, and like he was so passionate about and so great about that um that and that, and that is like, I look back and I'm like, well, if there was more money to hire more staff, I don't think I ever would have gotten burnt out. Like I remember the day that I was taking an inventory of my life and thinking, I'm not going to be able to do this forever. Like you said, with family, like if I want to have a different life for myself, I'm going to have to make some changes. And with the basically year round competing, right. The off season gets smaller and smaller mm -hmm. and smaller. The more people go to Florida, um, it, it does become hard, but I feel like there are similar professions out there that, that face the same struggles. I I'd be what I'd be actually curious to see how, uh, like race car, whatever the pit crew, like how they like navigate. Oh, yeah. Because right, they're traveling all over too. They're away from their families. Um, but a lot of them still have families, right? Like a lot of them still make it work yeah. and, you know, have, and I, I guess that's another thing is like we're females and having a baby is a lot more um, cumbersome type thing to do if that's, that's the route that you want to go down. But uh, yeah, lots to think about. Lots to think about. I, I really, I really enjoyed the conversation. Is there anything else on on your brain that this sparked or, or brought up that you'd like to kind of leave closing comments? Um, yeah, I, I don't. I think I think we covered pretty a lot. Honestly, I talked, yeah. I talked about pretty 
everything. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you the so much. The biggest and saddest issue. Yeah. Just the last of the, our little, last, our ending conversation, a little sad. Yeah. I think that's, that's, you know, a good point. The, the sad, the good and the sad, but the, <laughs> the, the caveat that I'm putting on all of these conversations is it really does come from a good place and it comes from trying to get, get people to the right people, um, get people into the right situations and feel like, there is positions where you could do it for a little bit longer or you could stay and you could have a life, right? You know, maybe now this person that I've groomed for for seven years, I have a house on the farm that I raise my family and I, I manage the horses at home and I go to the two big competitions a year and I'm able to hire yeah. someone else that does all the little stuff in between. So I get to like stay at home raise my family the travel is limited you know just just thinking outside of the box here so I thought a lot I thought a lot about that sometimes because I'm like well could I just stay in Florida and just like maybe do paperwork or like do manager stuff over over the computer and things like that like maybe that's something that could be had in the future where you don't physically have to be there if you can still do paperwork and then like fly in or be able to stay put that's a that's a big issue too, being able to stay in one spot with a family because not everybody wants to move all over if you don't have to. So. Right, right. And that's like, I mean, if you have the big horses, I feel like, you know, it's better to compete them less and you don't necessarily need to be with them when they're doing their first intermediate to to rock, like knock the dust off. Like, you know them so well at that yeah. point, you can serve the rider themselves like at the big competition so that that's actually there's there's some positive like ending thoughts is like <laughs> let's find the solution where you know once you're done serving your time of I'm gonna travel every single weekend and do all the things yeah. I know you I know your horses I know how your business runs like how can I stay on as a manager for you I can do stuff at home but like, I'm going to pick either the North or the South and that's going to be my home. And it's going to be a remote job when you're not here. And it's, I can pick up some of the physical stuff when you are and fly me to two select competitions a year where like you <laughs> a people. So who knows, maybe we'll figure that out for someone. No, we're gonna have to start. We're gonna have to make a little um, group for this. We'll have to talk to um Courtney, Courtney Carson about, hey, like, what about this? How do we create this? <laughs> we'll just make we'll just start building tiny homes, actually. That's what we'll get like a little yeah. family starter tiny home <laughs> that riders can buy their grooms for their farm and just be like, This is where you live year round. You don't have to yeah. go up. <laughs> But um, anyways, at the risk of, of continuing to ramble on, I'm going to go ahead and, and <laughs> recording. And uh, thank you again so much for, for joining me. Thank you so much for listening. And in the meantime, enjoy the ride. Also, just a quick reminder to head to Facebook, Instagram, the whole equestrian community, and check out all the details for our whole equestrian Lake Girl Retreat that's taking place in Deep Creek, Maryland, May 16th to 19th. Uh, we are really excited to fill up the house and have a great time down there. So uh, be sure to reach out for more details. There's all sorts of information uh, on all the places. 
Thanks, guys.